We acknowledge and respect the first humans of the unceded land we call San Francisco, the Ramaito Shaloni. We condemn the genocide of these and other tribes across the Western Hemisphere. We honor their legacy and history, and we support rematriation and sovereignty efforts. Hello and Happy New Year. Welcome to Storied San Francisco. I'm your host, Jeff Hunt. In this first episode of 2023, we'll meet Cody Frost. Cody has worked at Rainbow Grocery Cooperative for 16 years. We'll learn a little bit about his backstory. Then we'll hear some history of this co-op, the last in our series. If you missed episodes on Other Avenues Grocery Cooperative and Arismendi Bakery, please go back and check those out. Just a quick word about some flooding that happened over the weekend at Rainbow during that historic rainfall we had on New Year's Eve. The store did have to close on Saturday and was unable to reopen on Monday, January 2nd. If all goes well, they should be back to regular business hours starting today, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Here's Cody. My name is Cody Frost. Um, I'm the marketing, I'm one of the marketing and creative uh, strategists uh, for the store, uh, which is a relatively new position. Mm-hmm. It's only actually existed officially as a, as a specific role uh, for about three and a half years now. Okay. Um, and I, But I've been working at the store for going on 16 years. Oh, wow. I've been okay. here for quite a while. That's a um, minute, yeah. I was originally hired in our package department, so most of the shelf-stable products that you see, you see um, stocking shelves, uh, and then, you know, as the, the structure of the store got involved in coordinating and hiring within that department, I was there for a few years. Uh, and then I transferred to the cashier department. I was there for doing that for uh, a number of years up at the front end um, and uh, was involved in various levels of that department as well mm-hmm. um, and uh, did some store-wide stuff like joined PR, which was a, a oh. rotating committee okay. um, off and on. And then when these positions opened up or were created by the store, they realized membership realized that we needed more consistency when it came to our marketing and branding and things like that because Mm -hmm. up until now we didn't need to do that much work necessarily we rested on our laurels of being uh, a well-known technically internationally known establishment for sure so um but you know as as our things competition and uh you know uh the encroachment of big corporate behemoths so we had Mm -hmm. to start being more strategic about how we're positioning ourselves uh in front of our audience so changes in technology also i mean yeah different ways of reaching folks and yeah i mean i don't like it but people are this all the time sure. so well i mean i historically i mean we have we have archives that go back the stores store was kind of uh loosely founded in the early 70s and kind of actually established as a storefront in in 1975 okay um and back then it was also primarily volunteer run Mm. so a lot of people um it it didn't incorporate into a cooperative until 
the what was I can give you the exact date. I think it's in uh, it was in the mid eighties. Oh, think. okay. Yeah. Or no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was in the nineties, early nineties. Oh, it was they, around for more than a decade, almost oh, yeah. two decades or so. Yeah. So okay. it, it it went from volunteer run to then it was. Um, it was a nonprofit temporarily for a handful of years. And then when they reincorporated to get this new building here, mm. uh, where we currently are, um, they reincorporated into a cooperative, which didn't okay. exist back in 1975. Right. Um, and, uh, and so that was a new thing that, that like California state law had created um, this opportunity. And so the members okay. of the store took it. Can we go back to you and where you're from? Sure. When, if you're not from here, when did you move here? <laughs> that kind of thing. Why, you said visual arts, but like, you know, sure. that whole thing. Yeah. Let's, let's do that whole thing. So I grew up, uh, I grew up in a place called Carmichael, which is near Sacramento. It's a suburb. I know of Carmichael. Okay. <laughs> for sure. My dog, uh, sh- she was an owner, uh, surrender. And they were in Citrus Heights. Yep. Is yeah. it anywhere? Yes. I mean, that's, that's also. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. I yes. Okay. Used to cruise up and down through Citrus Heights with friends in high school. So okay. Yes. Um, so I primarily grew up there, um, suburban life and all that jazz. What decade? Uh, I well, I was born or... in in the eighties. I was born in nineteen eighty. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So I, I grew up there in the eighties and nineties. Got it. Um, and then. Um, uh, various things led me to meeting people and friends and stuff and uh, and all this other jazz. And I ended up uh, in my early 20s starting to pursue uh, art, creativity. Mm-hmm. Just following that, I was like, I don't want to do anything else except for be creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, through that, I made some friends who uh, were working on a big project in Sacramento. I moved closer to downtown. Okay. And uh, in... 2004 and 5 they were working this film project with puppets and miniature sets mm. and stuff like that and I started getting involved nice. and then some of them said hey we are going to look to create a space in San Francisco we have a line on a possible spot and we were wondering if you want to come do that with us so in 2000 that started 2005 but I didn't move here until 2006, and so a little easier to do that back then, or maybe hindsight's 2020. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm like, there's no way I could move to San Francisco now. The I'll, literally, I'll, so yeah, I'll, I'll say that. Also, having a group of people, yes, made makes things a little more affordable. Yes, I'll say not necessarily easier, a but bit. Well, just yeah. um, no, their first few years. I mean, it took it took a couple years to finally start actually getting by um mm-hmm. but we yeah we worked on our space and built it up it still exists it's oh, nice. still in the mission so um, is it like an artist space or yes it's not it's different than what it originally was uh in that um what we were doing there were you know having art shows and film screenings and parties lots of parties and shows mm-hmm. it's a diy space um uh, it's called the Secret Alley. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you know about? The I Secret love Alley? the Secret Alley. Okay. How do you wait? How do you know about the Secret Alley? BFF. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yes. yeah we're part of sense. their podcast network. Actually. Oh, then yeah, then great. Yeah, then yes, you know a hundred percent. Do you don't tell me you have a show on BFF? No, I don't. Okay, have that a would show be. I my mind might actually blow <laughs> if that happened. I've never, <laughs> never 
got onto the the BFF train. Got but it. Yes, I'm aware but secret of this. A, but Secret Alley. Yes. Um, I mean, from the moment I stepped foot in there, I'm going to guess, you know, the late first decade of this century, sometime uh-huh. in there, 08 or so. Sure. I was just like, yes. <laughs> it Well, I mean, at the risk of being cheesy, I moved here in 2000 for probably some, although I'm not a performer necessarily, for a lot of the same possibly reasons that, mm-hmm. that you did like you know art music culture diversity all that stuff um and so finding new spaces like that new to me yeah was like wow oh, wow sure and that was actually one of the things during the pandemic i was like no no secret alley yeah it's sad yeah anyhow uh <clears throat> so yeah my friends and i we built that space thank you um, you're welcome thank it's you. now uh you know mostly run by noel mm. uh who uh has been running it basically for the last handful of years almost mm. completely on his own mm-hmm. um but yeah it was it was a space and we were we built it and had events and stuff and it got crazy and weird and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and it was it was fun and stressful and hard mm-hmm. um and yeah in 2006 you know there were it was it's weird because the uh, this is some history that i learned but like the first dot-com bubble really like made these huge scars mm-hmm. run through the city mm-hmm. mostly through like the mission and soma and so mm-hmm. like all of this development all of this gentrification and uh, all this money, and then everything just dried up. Yep. Right? Yep. And so there were still, it still was like, it never really dropped back down. Right. You know, the cost of living and all that stuff is still expensive. But there was, there was still a lot that was accessible. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was, there was, there were places that sold like $3 sandwiches. Like there was, Correct. you know what I mean? <laughs> like there was what I like to refer to as the $3 burrito across yes. the street from Safeway. Yeah. Like you could go, you could go and survive and you can make it. And it yeah. was, you know, it was fine. Um, and you know, rent was the most expensive thing always. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, that obviously that's changed mm-hmm. over many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, back then, even though even though it was still after that, and it was still expensive, it still didn't hadn't dropped. It was still more accessible right now. I mean, now, I think now right, right. I'm I'm really surprised. I I don't really don't know who's moving to San Francisco right I don't now. Either. I, don't I get mean, it. I just yeah. especially when I see very young people here, I, I don't know how they're doing it exactly. I don't know if they have better paying jobs than I had when I first started working, when I started moving here, mm-hmm. or if um, or if they're just living communal lifestyle, you know, seven, eight people to a place, which is- Possible. Yeah. Doubtful, but possible. Yeah, right? I mean- Can we go back real, real quickly? Because sure. Because you did grow up, you know, what, an hour and a half or so away. Mm-hmm. Did you come to the city much before moving here like how like how only much did you know it times yeah so yeah to, only... but did you have ideas about what it was like here no okay interesting <laughs> interesting it was like through this group that you were part of that they were like let's come here it or... was yeah it was the so growing up in in sacramento i i thought about moving away and all of this stuff and when i was in after uh high school i had friends who moved to went to college in New York mm. and they were like, come to New York, come, mm-hmm. you know, and I, but, uh, I am a person who has, uh, suffered from anxiety mm. most of my mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. if not all of my life mm-hmm. and could not, 
could not see myself just like that was just too overwhelming. You did yourself a favor. <laughs> I mean, I, as a fellow anxiety sufferer, I lived in New York right before I, I came here. Oh, and okay. um, I guess thankfully it only took me a year to figure out that I, I love it there, but it's not for yeah. me. And I had a friend and who lived here. I visited. I was like this. Yeah, yeah. this, this is yeah. good. Uh, I mean, who knows what could have happened, you know. This is true. Gone, of course. This is true. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think that I just like the the idea of going so far away from, like, my family and everybody and mm -hmm. things that are basically comforts, mm -hmm. you know, not uh, and being so young, not really thinking of uh, that I could create my own eventually. Mm. So I uh, didn't do that. But thought about the closest place I thought of that I could move possibly because I didn't want to move to L.A. would be possibly San Francisco. It mm -hmm. seemed interesting. It seemed like all of the the narrative of San Francisco was right. appealing. And uh, visited here a couple times in elementary school and then a, once or twice, you know, my teens in high school um, mm -hmm. and then early 20s. Um, but moving to uh, the mission in 2006 was a hard transition for me okay for sure okay um the yeah it was re it was really hard just the growing up in the suburbs and then basically dropping myself with very little um prior experience mm -hmm. and knowledge life ex life skills maybe mm -hmm. even dropping myself into uh the the thick of it y you know correct in the mission that is right um, there and you know there was just a lot that i had to adjust to i had to become more street smart i had to become more aware of my surroundings and it was also hard to see so much suffering i mean mm -hmm. even i mean i know that we currently and this has never happened you know um in my experience, I've never experienced, I've never lived through this, but just the waves of people living in tent cities and mm -hmm. stuff like that mm -hmm. all over, all over the, the country. Mm -hmm. um, that's not even what I, what was happening back then. Right. There Especially were on people, Cap Street. Yeah. There were a mm -hmm. lot of people on the street. There were a lot of people doing their thing. Mm -hmm. um, and part of it was learning how to be safe, but also learning that, that, whatever fear I had was not based on reality. Mm, so it was like, it was preconceived. On, yes. It was preconceived things. It was like, Oh, actually I found myself after a few years of living here, feeling more, <laughs> more creeped out walking around the outer Richmond in the middle of the night than I did walking through the mission in the middle of the night. That's a really like immediate <laughs> example. My example is, uh, I, I lived here a few years without... Go I'm from Texas originally, mm -hmm. and the first time I flew back was a couple of years after living here, and I had a borderline panic attack as our plane was landing because I was like, there's nothing. There's just vast, endless endless fields of nothing. Oh, yeah. Well, I, is, that's not agoraphobia, or whatever it is, where you have fear of open spaces. <laughs> yeah, yes. I had that on the plane. <laughs> I was like, get me back to kind of den more dense yeah. urban life yeah so an adjust adjustment for myself as well. yeah it was it was interesting i didn't realize i was i was what i had gotten used to especially working at the working with the guys at the alley we'd be out doing stuff all hours of the night and day walking around 
and I got uh, I got very comfortable just like walking up and down through the neighborhood and mm-hmm. walking many places in, in San Francisco in general, just mm-hmm. kind of all over all the time. Be like, hey, let's go to let's go to a place in Chinatown. We're gonna go get food or drinks in the middle of the night. Okay, we're gonna walk over there. Um, it defies uh, logic how walkable this town is. It is, very, yeah, it's generally <laughs> it's small, walkable. Yeah, it's very but it's, walkable. It is walkable. It is walkable, and uh, you, I feel like this happens to me. Conceptually, everything seems spread out, mm. but as soon as you start walking or riding a bike any direction, you go through, you like traverse through neighborhoods so fast mm-hmm. that you don't realize like, oh, it's it's actually physically so much closer than i Mm -hmm. than i think same thing with oakland over the last few years going to oakland for improv and Mm -hmm. performing Mm -hmm. teaching and things i go commute there all the time now and i don't even think about it Mm -hmm. and before when i first moved here oakland seemed like it was on the other side of the earth correct yeah so (laughs) but i became more comfortable in the city and more comfortable and i'm also i'm not a small person like Mm -hmm. i i know i'm very cognizant of of the fact that like my comfort being places, certain places in the city, uh, is not someone that is universal in any right, way. Right, 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 right. <laughs> um, so, uh, and I've had my fair share of unpleasantries. Um, sure. But um, be that as it may, yeah, it was it was it was a big adjustment mm-hmm. to to move into such a densely populated urban environment with. Um, you know, so many people. It's just it was hard to see so many people struggling. Correct. Yes. And it's not any easier. No. Absolutely not. In fact, when, to this day, when I hear people um, say anything about unhoused or homeless people, I always try to guess, or maybe the thing I'm trying to train myself to do is to ask, are you complaining about blight or are you complaining about the fact that there are humans suffering right Right. around you? You know, like that distinction. Yeah. And I try to surround myself with the people who are the latter. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, So if my math is correct it's really rough math but you must have started here not that long after moving here yeah i originally got a job uh so um uh ariel dovis was yeah. w- was yes i know ariel. Yeah. <laughs> yep of course yep. Uh, From so, his mission, mission days. Yes. Okay. I, well, then, yeah. Then, yeah. That's right. You've been here for quite a while too. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Ariel was one of the guys helped. We built the secret alley together. Right. Uh, and through him, when I, when I was trying to find work, commuting because we would we got the space and we started building before again before I actually moved here. So every weekend I'd come from Sacramento and work for, you know, three or four days. Um, he helped me get a job at Byright on 18th Street. Okay. So I was working there for the first year or so, and then I got a job here. And okay. I've worked here ever since. Okay. So it was like, I think it was like July uh, July 2007, I think it was when I got a job here. That's that's a while. Yes. Um, I mean, that speaks to, I feel like, a theme that I'm noticing in a lot of the co-ops that we were, mm-hmm. we're talking with um, is that people stay um we'll get to that in a minute can we because you've already talked a little bit about the history of rainbow Mm -hmm. maybe let's do that and then let's talk about your time here and and the store now and all that other stuff oh yeah there's a lot uh there's so much history about the store um and a lot of this is definitely from like a wikipedia page that was created by somebody Mm -hmm. about the store (laughs) um so yeah we it it was back in the 70s (laughs) uh 
there was a faith-based group um, that was all about using food for community support and political activism. Mm -hmm. um, and through the process of that, um, some people created, there was a, a number of different co-ops that were created. I think of their avenues was part of that yes. originally. Yes. Uh, we were part of that originally mm -hmm. starting on 16th street. Um, that was the, that was another question. The yes. original location, 16th and uh in the middle of 16th between Guerrero and Val and uh, Valencia it's oh. the it's where Gestalt is oh yeah that was that, the original rainbow that's okay. the original rainbow good to know um and when I first moved here it was like a coffee shop of some sort mm -hmm. yeah, yeah before it's Gestalt yeah yeah, yeah yeah um so that was the original location um they were there uh and then they opened that up in uh 75 ish when you say they about how many folks if you had I to guess I don't know actually I think probably I would imagine that was probably a handful of maybe like 10 okay 10 like 10 or 8 or 8 or 10 core people mm -hmm. uh kind of like having to sign the lease and you know do all that stuff <clears throat> but then it was kind of community you know volunteer. I was going to say I'm going to guess mostly people who were kind of around that yes. area yeah, yeah, living right? and or working um and so they were they weren't they were involved there uh, and then eventually, like a year later or so, they opened up a general store further down the block. So it okay. wasn't actually combined. So there was the grocery store, essentially. Uh, and then there was the general store that that sold, uh, like, housewares and sundries yeah. and things like that. Okay, cool. Uh, eventually, those... Uh, when when the In fact, there, there used to be a separation of... A division of, um, like power in a way where you couldn't work at both mm. even though they were under the same umbrella mm -hmm. and that you uh but eventually that that slowly dissolved but it, it was like you worked either for the grocery store or for the general store mm. um, which is why if you look at the front of this building it still says general store that's kind of oh. a holdover from a million years ago interesting um when they moved in the 80s that that space on 16th got too big or it, it got too crowded. It was too busy. Right. Uh, and the general store, same thing. So they combined both things when they moved to 15th, uh, the corner of 15th and Mission was their second location. 15th and Mission. Okay. It's, uh, is the building even still there? The building's still there. Oh, good. Uh, it is. It was a WeWork place for a while. It was originally, a, uh, it was directly across from what used to be an old print warehouse mm -hmm. that was on a big empty lot, but that got torn down and now is a, is like a, I think is low income housing. Okay. Uh, that block right there on, yes. on right on uh, on Mission. No, wait, that's not right. That's South NS. That's South. Yes, I'm thinking of that. There's too many new things. But it got torn down and something something was took better, its yeah. place. <laughs> that's fair to say. But the building that the the building that uh, Rainbow's second location that's still there. Oh, okay. Um, that still that still exists. Um, and so they were there for a few years, uh, but that quickly, they quickly outgrew that. And then uh, they started the process of trying to move and found this location. Uh, I think they found it in 95 and then there was renovations. This used to be, uh, my understanding is that it used to be the St. Vincent de Paul. Oh. Uh, I think it's, that's the name. Um, thrift store. Thrift store. Okay. It used to be a thrift store owned by a branch of the Catholic church. I, I can kind of see that. Yes. Um, and so that's what it was for years. Um, and then we bought it. So we actually outright owned the building. I think nice. 2000, 
eight or nine is when we finished paying off the mortgage. So we own this building and property. And that also speaks to <sighs> other things about. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Good, good things. I'm good things. Say. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we've been here since 96, I think, is when the store opened up in this location. Okay. Uh, also incorporated around that time into a co-op uh, with the right, state. Right, right. Uh, up until that point, though, basically had the whole, the store had been running itself as a democratic workplace. Not, okay. Not hierarchically structured, so yeah. everybody was still involved, and they were still uh, a member of running the business, but mm-hmm. it wasn't kind of structured on a... I guess on a legal level as such. right yeah were people roles might have been defined but were people assigned and limited to roles or did everyone just kind of share and everybody whatever? everybody moved around i mean my understanding is that it was still there was still some again some holdovers of like the division between departments and things and that's the general store versus food is it still true it's still true we still technically have 14 or so autonomous departments um and they all run themselves independently within hmm. certain guidelines. So basically, mm-hmm. there are, uh, you know, there's corporate rules and policies uh, that exist uh, that kind of are broader guidelines or overarching storewide things. Sure. And then the minutia of department schedules and vacations and hiring and things like that are all done on a departmental level. So, okay. So. There is, uh, you know, for better or worse, there are departments that kind of can uh, find what they need within their labor and, um, you know, their their products. If they're buying or selling products, uh, you know, they can find ways of tweaking that and balancing out, trying to get that efficiency down. Um, it does hinder sometimes the kind of cross-departmental work being done. Sure. Uh, it's a little bit more opaque for new workers so there's a mm. little bit of trying to help people understand this like oh there isn't a cent- necessarily a centralized place where you go oh i just need to pick up a shift or my shift is going to rotate throughout the store mm-hmm. um you'll be sp- generally sp- kind of specialized in a way and then over the course of your career you can hop around and learn got it things. yeah yeah you mentioned how many departments 14 i okay. think on the floor okay and uh not to disparage any of the others, but for me, uh-huh. I the two that stand out the most, uh-huh. bulk and cheese. Sure, yes. Can we just talk about those real fast? <laughs> yes. I can't have Rainbow on the podcast and not talk about especially the cheese. So the My God. Uh, so the so are one of the, the one of the that's actually going back to bulk first. Um, oh sure. Bulk is bulk access, bulk food access, low low cost access to volume was kind of one of the early uh, tenants of the store. Right. And the store prioritized bulk access, not only for an ecological standpoint of reducing waste, which I was not alive back in the 70s. I don't know how much uh, packaging, you know, how much processed food there was. Mm-hmm. I mean, now there's so much, right? Right. So I, I would imagine by scale it would be much smaller. But nonetheless, still, there's a lot of packaging involved in mm-hmm. even just getting base ingredients. And so the store wanted, the, the, the founders wanted to have that maintained. And so every version iteration of the store um, has kind of maintained that, kept it 
try to keep it accessible, try to broaden that out. And <clears throat> we've actually, um, in all of our years, have been able to work with different vendors, manufacturers, uh, and distributors to get access to bulk products um, well before the zero waste movement mm -hmm. and the zero waste shops, little boutiques and stuff mm -hmm. have been popping up, which is all great. I mean, that's, sure. you know, that's all very good stuff. Um, and But it was something that this Rainbow was prioritizing for a long time. So you can come here and get bulk lotion and uh, shampoo and dish soap and Epsom salts and as well as food, obviously. Right. Lots of food, lots of herbs, spices, medicinal herbs right. and things like that. Um, and uh, so, yeah. And, and when we renovated in, I think it was 2012 was when we, we renovated in the store, mm -hmm. we expanded those bulk departments. Okay. So we, we expanded the bulk food department and the and the herbs department. Um, so they're much bigger than they, are, than they were when I first started working here. Um, and yeah, that's kind of a, one of our proud things. Feathers. We, 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 yeah, it's feather in our cap. It's, yeah. We, we are very happy with being able to do what we do there. That was Cody Frost, a marketing and creative strategist, as well as being a worker owner at Rainbow Grocery Cooperative. Check back next week for part two on Rainbow. Music for Storied San Francisco was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Michelle Kilfeather does original photography for us. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fifth season, we have more than 200 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're able to, please rate and review the show. And drop us a line at storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, weird, and healthy. And we'll see you next time on Storied San Francisco. is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.